Hey mama, I'm Ashley, and this is the Maverick Mompreneur Podcast, where you're free and encouraged to own your desire to create and scale an impactful, discoverable online brand and business in the midst of motherhood, a business that's aligned with your mission, lifestyle desires, personality, and zone of genius without wasting your time on the hustle and grind hamster wheel that is social media. Can I get an amen? Sis, you are a maverick, an original, willing to stand out in your authenticity, defy expectations, and do life and business outside the box. In our world, if it's not aligned with who we are, it's a hard pass or a brave pivot. So if you're here for the powerful identity shift and transformation from boss babe or boss mom to aligned CEO, building a one of a kind, influential, hustle-free online business that will produce long-term impact and multiple streams of income through SEO, affiliate marketing and courses while building yourself in the process, well, pop in those AirPods, grab that cup of coffee or glass of wine and let's get growing. Hi, Mavericks. Ashley back again with episode 75. This episode, I have a special guest to introduce you to. Her name is Steph Tuss, and she is an incredible businesswoman with so much wisdom to share, particularly as it relates to raising children. She has two children who are now grown, but she's been in this for a while and she has so much wisdom to share about how to really eradicate mom guilt from your life. She's got a five-step process that you are going to absolutely love and benefit from. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. I pray that it helps you in your journey as a mother and an entrepreneur. And I will be back next week with a solo episode, but I am just loving bringing more guests onto the podcast so that they can share their journey of entrepreneurism and inspire us all. Enjoy. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to let you know a little bit about my new course, The Content Creation Solution. By the time you listen to this, our live version of the course will be wrapped up and it will be available for you self-paced. And my students are absolutely raving and loving what they've learned. So let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect from inside of this course. If you are someone who has ever or currently struggles with feeling overwhelmed with the content creation process, feeling like you don't have enough time to create content, feeling like your content is not converting, and just generally having a lack of direction and systems in the type of content you're creating, particularly as a solopreneur, you are going to receive proven strategies that I have researched, tested, and refined over time to make sure that they work for all different types of brands, industries, content, and platforms. It's customizable to you and your business, but what you're going to get out of it is learning how to plan, produce, and promote content in a way that aligns with your goals and values and to do that consistently for the long game. You're going to receive customized solutions, customizable solutions, I should say. Every content creator has their own unique voice, style, challenges. And that's why I provide you with templates that you can customize to you. The biggest benefit in my mind from taking the content creation solution course is time savings. I value my time and my energy. I value your time and your energy and believe that content creation should not take over your life. There is a better way. 
That's why I'll be teaching you how to create a content calendar, a plan for how you're going to create your content, how you're going to repurpose your content, and how to automate your workflow so that you can focus on other aspects of your business and your actual life, right? And then lastly, this course will provide you with clarity and confidence. I definitely understand that content creation can be a source of stress, anxiety, and self-doubt. And that's why I'm also equipping you with mindset tools and templates and examples that will help you to overcome limiting beliefs, which will then in turn boost your creativity and get you enjoying the process of content creation. By the end of the course, you'll be able to define your content niche and your ideal target audience. You'll be able to brainstorm and organize your content ideas. You will literally leave the course within a matter of 30 minutes with basically a year's worth of content ideas. If you execute this, you're going to be able to create high quality content that reflects your brand and values with way less time than I guarantee you're spending now. You're going to learn how to promote your content through different channels and formats and save time and mental load through having an efficient system and workflow utilizing cutting edge AI technology alongside this, that's truly going to give you the edge when it comes to your competition. There is a link in the show notes to the content creation solution. Get in on this and get the edge over everyone else in your niche, in your industry. Stop scrolling and start selling and generating even more impact and income through your business than you already are. Thank you so much, Steph, for being here and chatting with me about all things uh, mom guilt, being a business owner, being a mom. This is a very, very relevant topic to my audience, and you're definitely an expert in this. So super excited for you to, to be here. So thank you. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Before we get started, I always love to ask my guests about their journey into entrepreneurism. So if you wouldn't mind just giving a little bit of your background, like what was your journey into what you're doing now? What do you do now? Share all the deets with us. I'd be happy to. I'll try to make it as condensed as possible. So I started out as an elementary school teacher, um, graduated from college, did the secure thing, got a job, was supposed to stay there for 30 years and retire. And a couple of years in just was really unhappy. I was raised that you didn't quit things. So you didn't, if you were unhappy, you just did more in hopes that you would be happy. So instead of leaving teaching, I became the teacher association president. I started bargaining with school districts for more pay and better, better treatment. And it didn't work. And at the same time, I was also pregnant. So my husband and I got married and we had our first daughter kind of on the youngish side. I was 25, 24, 25 when I had my youngest and she was born really sick. By the time she was three weeks old, she had been to the doctor many times and they didn't know what was wrong. Their suggestion was invasive surgery to do exploration, to see what was causing her, her issues. She wasn't, she wasn't eating. She wasn't sleeping. She wasn't having dirty diapers. Like it was just like she was failing to thrive. And as a young mother, of course, I feel like I'm, I'm murdering my own child because I can't figure out what's wrong. And something about it just didn't, something about it just didn't sit right with me. So instead of the invasive surgery, I dove into research, spoke to 
every child expert I could find, Chinese herbalists, infant massage therapists, like you name it, there wasn't a person that I did not speak to, to find an answer. Plus I did my own research and I happened upon, strangely enough, a lactation consultant. Now keep in mind, my youngest daughter is now 22 years old. So this was a long time ago when alternative therapies weren't weren't accepted. They weren't main, they weren't mainstream like they are now. The lacti- lactation consultant told me to change my diet. And I changed my diet and all of her symptoms went away. Mm-hmm. And I'm a teacher, right? Here I am teaching fifth grade social studies and science. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm a teacher. I need to teach this. There are lots of other moms and dads out there that are struggling with this that don't know about how nutrition plays, plays a part in early in early childhood. I need to teach this. So while I was continuing to teach elementary school and had a newborn, I went back to school and got my master's degree in holistic nutrition. Uh And then when I got my master's degree, I left teaching. So that was at 10 years. I taught for 10 years, left teaching and just started my own business, my own nutrition practice. Keep in mind, I'm not from a long line of entrepreneurs. My dad was a GM factory worker for 31 years. My mom was the credit manager at the local hospital, meaning she was the person that picked up the phone and called people and told them that they were late with paying their medical bills. So I was raised very conservative and very security based, but I just just felt compelled, like, you know, God, spirit, whatever had shown me the answer to, to Bailey's issues. I needed to, I needed to pay it forward. So I opened my practice and it grew really, really quickly. It was actually sort of surprising how quickly it grew. And I think part of it is, is I didn't have anything in my brain that said I couldn't. I didn't have any experience. So I was just like, I'm just going to do this. It can't be that hard. Like I'll figure it out. And I just hustled for a good two and a half, three years. I built up my book of clients. By the third year, I was working with professional athletes and I I was a team nutritionist for university um, men's baseball, for a university men's baseball team. And I had gotten to the point where I couldn't grow anymore because it was just me and an assistant and a bookkeeper managing the whole thing. And so I was looking for a mentor and I stumbled across my current business partner, David Nagel, and hired him to help me build my business. And in the process, realized that I was, I had fallen out of love with nutrition and fallen in love with business. I was really, really fascinated in love with the idea that you, it's really easy to tell someone how to be healthy. It's a whole other thing to understand why they don't do those things to be healthy. And it's the same with business. It's one thing to give someone a marketing strategy or a business strategy. And it's another thing to say, well, why aren't they implementing that? Or why aren't they getting on the phone and making sales? Or why are they resisting these things? So I ended up selling my business and contacting, recontacting David and saying, hey, I want to work with you. I want to work for you. I really want to do this. And that was 15 years ago. So I have been in all aspects of the business from the very ground up and have been CEO for Life is Now for the last six years. That's my story in a very big nutshell. Amazing. I love to hear the the story, the pivots throughout your story and how I think the piece about not having that voice in your head when you started out telling you that, hey, for most people, this whole entrepreneurial thing doesn't work out. You're like, it will. Like you had no other voice in your head. And that's amazing. Like, I think that that's a huge, a huge thing that holds people back sometimes. It's like, oh, well, who am I to do this? And you're just like, no, okay, well, we're going to try. And then that probably gave you so much confidence in pivoting from, you know, one arena to the next. And obviously you're still crushing it. So yeah. And my, and the referrals were 
were fantastic because, you know, yeah. it's evident when you help someone become healthy and other people see their body change and they're like, what did you do? Oh, I work with Steph and she created these many brands. Yeah. And, and then my business just built because people were talking about it. They were kind of my ambassadors, which was great. Yes, because the work that you were doing with your clients was quality and good. And like, that's amazing. Yes. Okay, so how, because I know you've had successful businesses, but you're also a mom. So how have you experienced or have you experienced that feeling of, because I know mom guilt is huge for a lot of my clients. I work with mostly pretty much exclusively moms who are building businesses and it comes up constantly as a topic. And it's definitely something that I see and I've experienced myself that it can hold, hold us back from actually building our business. So I'm just curious, how did you experience that? How did you overcome it if you did? I experienced horrific mom guilt. My grandparents, like I'm from dad's family. We're all dairy farmers, very traditional. Grandma raised the kids, grew the food. Like she did everything, right? Was a total martyr. Love you, grandma. Rest in peace. Was a total martyr. And actually my my grandma on my mom's side was, was pretty much the same. So... I grew up with very with a very hardcore middle class mindset, I call it, which places a lot of the responsibility and caretaking on the female and the family. And if you're not that person, then you don't belong. You're a bad person. Like it's, you're a bad person. You're a bad mom. You're a bad wife. You're a bad yeah. daughter. You're a bad sister. You're yeah. you're just you're selfish. You're bad. You're irresponsible. Yeah. Whatever. So when I first started building the business, especially with the nutrition practice, I had two small kids. By that time, I had had my second daughter who was very healthy, by the way, no health issues there. And, you know, it was me, me teaching during the day, coming home, my husband bringing the kids downstairs to keep them entertained and me seeing clients in our house. I missed out on homework help and dinner time and that kind of thing, just so I could build my business. And that was an agreement that I made with my husband, but that guilt carried for, for quite some time. Now my kids are I'm empty nesting right now. My daughter's, my youngest is 19. My oldest is 22. So that was a transition in and of itself. But mom get was huge for me. And there are really five, like when I think back as to, to like the point where I let go of it, first of all, guilt's not, not, not a productive emotion. You weren't born with guilt. Guilt's given to you by someone else. It's really good to know. So you can see yourself separate from the guilt voices in your head. I really kind of came up with five strategies that when I actually followed those strategies, I felt so much better about myself and life just seemed to be smoother and easier. Please share them. (laughs) I'm ready. So so the first one is when you're feeling that guilt is to actually stop yourself and ask whose voice is this? Because it's not your voice. You weren't born with, you weren't born with shame and guilt. This is programmed and it's generally generational. So it's what you observed in your parents or grandparents. It's conversations that you heard. It's judgments that you heard that you picked on and took on as your own. So maybe it could be a disapproving mom. It could be a disapproving grandma. Generally, it's that guilt comes from the female side of the family. So it was really good for me to separate this. Like, hold on, whose voice is this? And then the second question is, is any part of this true? Am I a bad mom because I want to build a business and also want my kids to be taken care of? No, 
There's lots of people all over the world that do that. And the kids turn out just fine. So the first is separating yourself from the voice and seeing that it's not yours. It's not from God. It's not from spirit. It's not your intellect and not your like intuition telling you you're doing something bad. And the second is to say, is there any truth to this? Because if you can pull yourself out of that emotion, you can see that, no, there's no truth. Your kids are not going to remember if you made the mac and cheese for dinner on Tuesday night. You're not a bad mom because you didn't make a mac and cheese for dinner. What they remember are the impactful moments that you're with them and you're 100% with them. Mm -hmm. Second thing is you have to prioritize self-care. So you have to find time for you in your calendar. A lot of people think self-care is, oh, I go get my nails done or I book a massage once a month or... Yes, that can be classified as self-care, but the self-care that I'm talking about are the things that feed your soul. Yeah. It's the books that you like to read. It's the hobbies. It's the craft. It's the, the adventure that you seek. It's whatever lights you up and feeds your soul inside. Because what happens when you become a mom and you're a wife and you're, 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 you're managing a team and you have your business and you're making sales is that you lose yourself in all of those things. I've talked to women who I'll say like, what is it that you really desire? And they'll just look at me and say, I don't know, because they're so used to sacrificing their own desires and their needs and wants to make everybody else happy. Mm -hmm. And we end up in society sometimes hearing that that's a badge of honor to do that. But, (laughs) But it's totally not. No. The third thing was boundaries. So I know boundaries is a big buzzword right now, but when I say boundaries, I had to determine what my boundaries between what work and family were. A lot of times, especially when you're a mom and you're building a new business, you're trying to do all the things all at the same time. So you're sitting there hanging out with your kids, but you're checking your phone to see what new email came in or checking invoices, Mm -hmm. or you're at work and you're trying to focus on work, but you're feeling guilty about having left your kids at childcare or or whatever you're feeling guilty about. There's a million things you could be feeling guilty about in that moment. But really it's saying, okay, when I'm at work, I'm at work. I'm 100% at work. I'm focused at work. And when I'm at home, I'm 100% focused with the kids. And then communicating that with your husband or your care caretakers or your team or whatever. So they know when you're available for access and when you're not available for access. It may also mean taking your email notifications off of your phone. Mm-hmm. Take your social media notifications off of your phone so that you you train yourself. I know some of you take a breath. It's okay. You don't need to check your email 24 hours a day. Train yourself to check work email only when you're at work. And trust me, the world doesn't fall apart and things don't crumble. You don't have to be everyone, everything to everyone. So it was setting those really clear boundaries. I mean, my husband and kids knew that when I was at work, unless some something was burning or someone was dying, like that was uninterrupted work time. But they also knew that when I was with them, I wasn't distracted by work. I was theirs a hundred percent and focused a hundred percent on them. And when I see these moms or and dads, because this happens both with moms and dads with their kids and they're checking their phone or they're totally distracted, that sends a really painful message to that child. Absolutely. That they're not good enough. Not important enough. My mom's got to check her phone. I mean, you know, I'm not as I'm not as important as her phone is. That's the that's the message that they internalize. So I learned, you know, pretty early on that I needed to set the really clear boundaries so that I could feel good about what I was doing at work and I could feel good about what I was doing with the kids and at home and with my husband. 
I love that. It's interesting. I know I'm lately, I've had a busy season with work and I have noticed myself slipping with boundaries in the sense of, you know, even if it's just watching TV on the couch with my daughter, I'll check my phone, but I can see her looking at that and I can see her little face. And I do, I feel like there's the productive mom guilt in a sense of like behavioral change, you know, like, Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. This is not her fault that like, I need to be more in balance and disciplined with my schedule and not looking at my phone when I'm with her. So this is a good reminder. That's really powerful. That that is absolutely the message that our kids get. And I think that's a reality check. So that kind of mom guilt, I'm like, yes, I'm on board with that because I want that like conviction piece to change behavior. But I wish I had, in starting out building a business, I wish I had heard the advice around boundaries and separating your time for work and like all of those things. And then you don't have to feel guilty for wanting to raise babies and build a business. Like there's no reason for feeling guilty about that whatsoever. I definitely struggled with that, especially in the beginning and whose voice that was. Yeah. Combination. So it is. And, but the cool yeah. thing is that when you ask yourself, when you're feeling guilty and you say, is there any truth to this? Yes. You, in that instance where you're on the phone and you're supposed yeah. to be spending quality time with your daughter. Yeah, there yeah. is truth to it. Okay. Now I can change that behavior. So I don't feel this way again. Yeah. Taking that ownership. I love that. Ready for the fourth tip? Yes. This is probably the hardest for all of the female business owners that I work with. And that is seek support and ask for help. Oh yeah. For so long. It has been a badge of honor to think that you can handle everything and do everything. You can lead the team. You can fix the computer. You can come home and make dinner. You can take care of the kids. You can have enough energy to have sex with your husband. Like you have to do and be all, and that's a badge of honor. And it's your duty to self-sacrifice and completely. (laughs) Right. The fourth tip is you've got to seek support and ask for help and allow that to be okay. Whether that's, outsourcing your laundry, because let's be honest, it's not a good use of your time. Higher value activity for your time is when you're at work or when you're with the kids, right? Outsourcing food prep, meal prep, grocery shopping, like getting help at home first, getting help at work in the form of a virtual assistant or an executive assistant who actually manages you, who sets boundaries and holds them with your calendar so that you don't feel like the bad guy when you have to tell someone, no, I can't have that meeting with you this week. They will hold that boundary. If you don't seek support, you will continually be pulled into the weeds in both your business and in your life, and you will continually feel exhausted. But the reason that people don't seek support is that they have this inner core wound of not being worth a support. Like, oh, I'm not good enough to be supported. I don't have systems set up to be supported. I don't like, what is my mom going to think of me if I don't cook my own meals that she's going to think I can't take care of my family? What's my sister going to think if I start having someone else clean my house? Like she's going to think that I'm I'm like uppity or whatever, like all the voices start kicking in. But the truth is, is that you've got to seek that support. If you want to be happy, it will exponentially grow your business and it will make your family run so much more smoothly. So I would say start small. Here's a really great activity. I read this in a book recently. It's a book called Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. And he breaks it down really simply. You take how much your business pays you over the course of a year. So let's say your business pays you $100,000 over the course of the year. And you divide that by 2,000. So the average entrepreneur works 2,000 hours. 
Now we probably work a little bit more than that, but to make math easy, let's do the math. So you get paid a hundred thousand. I'm terrible at math. So I'm doing this on my, on my calculator. So you get paid a hundred thousand a year. You divide that by 2000 hours a year. You've got $50 an hour is what you're making. Mm-hmm. So then when you're looking at doing laundry, would you pay someone $50 an hour to do your laundry? Why are you paying? Why, why are you doing your laundry? You pay someone $50 an hour to manage your inbox? No. Why are you paying yourself $50 an hour to manage your inbox? So when you can put it into a mathematical equation and think, wait a second, if I can offload that, then that allows me to spend more time doing the things that I'm really good at and also sets up more time for my family. You can now see that you can afford to hire someone, even if it's in the small little areas, to take some things off your plate. Ooh, reality check. Central. <laughs> Oh. Like I'm constantly asking, I know my, I know my hourly rate and I'm constantly asking myself, would I pay someone this much to do this? No. So why am I, why is it okay for me to do that? If I wouldn't pay someone else that to do that for me. That's so true. I have, I haven't really thought of it in that concrete of terms, but even, you know, when you're mentioning outsourcing, you know, meal prep, or even sometimes I'll feel guilty for ordering DoorDash or basically I get everything delivered. I'm like, this is kind of nutty that I won't spend the time to go into stores, but really, truly, it doesn't make sense to spend that extra 15 minute drive time, 30 minutes in the store, 15 minutes. Like I could be doing something more productive either as a mom or as a business owner, but that actually monetizes that time. So I feel like that, that can be so powerful. It a hundred percent does. Instacart is like my most favorite App. I can literally grocery shop everything I need from a menu plan yes. in 15 minutes. Whereas the old stuff would wait for a Saturday, get up super early, put the kids with their dad in front of the TV, go to the grocery store, spend two hours in the grocery store, drive 10, 15 minutes back home, then have to unload everything and yes. put it away. It's like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this? This makes no logical sense. And then you put the mathematical equation behind it and you realize it's taking you three hours from start to finish to do this and your yes. your hourly rates 50 bucks that's 150 dollars you just wasted on getting groceries. Ooh. All right. I hope everyone is taking notes and figuring <laughs> out your hourly rates and really putting this into perspective. That will get rid of a lot of guilt right there just based on the uh, dollar amount. I was going to ask you something something came up and now I've lost the question. But wait, have you told me the fifth? I have not. Okay, I'm I'm going to come back to that question because it it popped into my mind, but I want to hear the fifth so that I don't go okay. walking too too the much. Fifth, the fifth one doesn't seem important, but it's really important, and that is to celebrate your successes. So, how often do you take a minute and look at what you've done in your life, or even over the course of the last 24 hours, and say to yourself, "Damn, I'm a badass!" Like. Look at what I've done. Look at look at the good things that are happening in my life. Look at my look at how lovely my kids are. Look at what I've created. Look at all the lives that I'm impacting. Look at, at the look at the positive things that are happening because I am who I am rather than what generally is the default is to stop at the end of the day and scrutinize every single thing that you did, not to mention every single thing that you ate, not to mention every single thing that you said. Mm-hmm. Right? So Part of this is you monitoring your own thoughts to yourself to not be in alignment with 
the negative, to not be in alignment with the guilt, to give yourself a reason to say, wow, I'm a good person. I'm a good mom and I'm trying my best. And like, these are all the good things that have happened. We, we actually do, um, when my kids were younger, my husband and I still do this every once in a while. We do something called appreciations and gratitude. Mm-hmm. So we'll be sitting around a dinner table and it's so fun to do this with small children because they have such an easy time of this. And it's interesting to do it with middle school and high school children because they have a really hard time with it, which kind of breaks my heart a little bit. But the activity is you go around the table and everyone says three things that they appreciate about themselves, not what they appreciate about what someone else has done for them or anything that's happened to them. Three things they appreciate about themselves and then three things they're grateful for. And that can be anything. And it's interesting, you know, a small child will be I appreciate my toes and I appreciate my hair and I appreciate my purple dinosaur and I appreciate my friend at school. And they just like, there's no even, not even a stop to all the things yeah. that they appreciate. I'm just free. Yeah. And then you get to an adult and it's like, I got to think about this. What do I appreciate about myself? Like, I've always been taught that it's bad to appreciate myself, that that's self-centered yeah. or egotistical, but it's actually a really great practice in self-acceptance and self-love to sit and things. What do you appreciate about yourself? I appreciate that I'm a good leader. I appreciate that I have the ability to listen. I appreciate that I'm compassionate. I appreciate that I'm, you know, you have to get in the practice of appreciating things about you. And what that does is that a lot that what happens is that guilt voice gets quieter and quieter Mm -hmm. is you're not allowing the conversation. Yeah. It's so important. It's so missed. I know it took me years and years to get to a place where I didn't feel like it made me this horrible, conceited person to actually think highly of myself. But when we think about it, we do this for our friends and people, strangers we don't even know. We could rattle off things that we think are great about them. And that doesn't mean that we think that they're a perfect human, but we have to do that for ourselves as well. Like our relationship to ourselves is just as important, if not more important, you know, because the, our capacity then to, I don't know, to love and I don't know, it stems from a relationship to ourselves. So I love that being able to, yeah. And taking the time to actually do that and making it more of a practice. And here's the thing to accept. Look, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. I am fully accepting that my children will be in a professional development seminar somewhere talking Uh about something that happened in their childhood that traumatized them or messed them up that they've linked to. That's fine. Everybody has that. That's their journey. All you can do is the best that you can do. And the best that you can do starts with who you're being inside and how you're showing up for them. If you, if you can show them that you can prioritize your self-care, guess what? They'll prioritize their self-care. If you can show them that you can set healthy boundaries, guess what? they will learn to set healthy boundaries. If you can show them that it's okay to ask for help and seek support, they'll ask for help and seek support and you'll be breaking that generational guilt. So not only are you doing this for yourself, but you're also modeling all of this for your kids. Okay, this is the perfect segue into the question that came up in my mind. Has there been a moment, I'm sure there has been a moment or moments in time, and this is something that I'm kind of currently working through, which is why it's top of mind, where we're going to have different seasons in life. And sometimes whether it's when you're starting your business or there's an influx or whatever it might be where you are 
you're feeling a little bit out of, for lack of a better term, you're feeling a little out of balance. And like, you do have to devote more time than you normally would to work over time with your kids. Do you have any advice for how to like talk to children about that? And maybe like a teachable, I don't know if I'm phrasing this correctly, almost like a teachable moment where they aren't, I don't know, you're communicating. Yes. So one thing that I didn't mention that I think is really important for every family is that you have a vision. So you have a vision of what you want your life to look like. You have a vision for your family. You've got family goals. You've got family values. And that's communicated with the kids if they're at an age where they can understand it. So your business fits into that vision. Mm-hmm. And they fit into that vision. And it's important that they see how they fit into that vision. And there's a great book. I'm going to give you another resource. It's called Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold, And he actually takes you through step-by-step how to create that three-year vision. And it's kind of a, a 3D world, three years in the future of what it's going to feel like, what experiences you're going to have, what it's going to look like, not necessarily based on dollars, money, but based on what the experience is that you want to have three years from now in your business and in your family. When you communicate that to your kids, they get to buy into that. They get to see how they're a part of that. So when there are times in business where you're feeling off balance, which there always are because life balance is just not possible when you run a small business, there will be up times, there will be down times, there will be really busy times and there will be slower times is that you communicate that you're heading into a busy time that you're heading into a busy time because this is taking you closer to that vision. And then you can ask them for help. So when I'm in this busy time, how do you see yourself helping? Do you see yourself doing the dishes? Do you see yourself helping dad make dinner? Do you see yourself, you know, coming in our room later at night to have a conversation? Like, what do you need in order for this to be an okay experience for you? Knowing that mom's going into a really busy time and I'm not going to be super available. I like to come at it from complete transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, our, we went through this it's cyclical, right? We, we went through this with our kids every three to six months because when I first started in this business, it was events-based. So our income was coming in through these large events that we were doing. And then the follow-up was a lot of time and energy and focus. And then we would go into kind of a quieter downtime. Mm-hmm. I would schedule family vacations down the quieter downtime. We'd be more structured during the quieter downtime, but I was always communicating with them. Okay, guys, here it comes again. We're getting into a really busy time. This is all part of our vision. This is where we're going. How do you see yourself helping with this? And actually like getting them involved in that rather than like these unattached bystanders that are just victims to mom not being there. Love that. Being intentional with communicating up front. Do you feel like there's an age? My daughter, I think my daughter's almost seven. Is there an age at which you started really directly communicating with your kids about that? Or So my kids were older when I became aware of this. I've been doing this for a really long time. Yes. But I know people in our in our network that are communicating this with their kids by kindergarten. All right, mamas, you heard it here. Start communicating with your kids about your business vision. What was the name of the book? It's called Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. And he takes you through a process to get a really clear through your vision for your business, which everybody should have. Most people are reactive and they're just reacting to day to day, whereas the through your vision allows you to be to proactively create. But there is a section in there about doing this for your family and doing this for your relationships. And I think it's really important because it just gives direction and focus to to everything. I love it. I was going to ask you too a question about, and I can't remember which point it was, the point on self-care. What strategies do you use to make sure that that happens like in your day-to-day life? Because I know 
time goes by very quickly and we're busy. How do you prioritize that and make sure it happens? Because I know that's something that for many of us falls to the wayside when really it's like, I had to start literally on my Google calendar, blocking in read and reflect. Like it's literally a task for my job and it changed everything. I'm like, oh, right. Because now I can actually show up for my daughter and my clients and my audience, like as a better version of myself. Whereas before I was just like flying around and feeling. So anyway, everything goes on my calendar. Okay. I do yoga in the morning. Part of my morning routine is I get up, I do yoga, I have coffee and stare. Like I stare and, and have absolute silence for like 30 minutes. It's kind of my meditation visioning my calendar. I do kind of nerdy. I love doing Lego. I like building things. So there are three times a week where my husband and I will sit because we're empty nesters. We're like, uh-huh. you know, so we'll sit and we'll put together or like we're, we'll work on a big Lego project or I'll schedule in study time for myself. Yes, I get massages and love them. But here's the thing. It's not self-care if you're on the massage table and you're thinking about all the things that you need to do. That's not self-care. Right? <laughs> like it's not self-care if you're getting a massage and you're beating yourself up for everything that you did or ate or thought you know, 12 hours previously. So be mindful of that. But everything, everything goes in my calendar. That's the only way it happens. If it doesn't go in my calendar, it doesn't happen. Time off goes in my calendar. If we go to a show, it goes in my, like my entire life is in a calendar. And it's really the only way to make sure that you're, you're making space for yourself in your own life. I find that with many of my clients or just women that I speak to a lot of times, I don't necessarily have this struggle and maybe I'm just selfish, but I will. And it's been an evolution over time where I will prioritize myself because I've seen what happens when I don't. But what would you say to someone who isn't at that place yet, where literally if there's a decision between something with their family or their business and themselves, they just always let that piece go. They always, I don't know if that makes sense. And sometimes it's with business building as well if it's not to do with like caring for someone else or doing something for someone else, like that's always the choice. That's, that's always the priority. And that's, they feel like they almost can't make another choice. I'm thinking of a couple of conversations I've had lately where I'm like, no. So I think that, I think the big awareness here is to understand where that need is coming from. People that will self-sacrifice what they want and need for Mm -hmm. others is generally coming from a a place of need to be liked or need to be needed. Meaning Mm. they've got their value wrapped up in what someone else thinks about them or how they can help someone else Mm -hmm. rather than owning their own value because they're a human being. They have value. So they're saying yes to that because they're looking to get something from that exchange. They're saying yes to help this person because they want to get that person to approve of them. They want to get that person to say nice things. They want to get that person to talk positively about them because they themselves have low self-esteem inside. So first it's stepping back and saying, what is the cause of me doing this? Do I really want to do this? Or am I doing this because I'm looking to get some kind of need met that I should be meeting for myself? Mm -hmm. Because what happens when people continually do that is you'll end up making yourself sick. For sure. You'll create health issues. I see it constantly, autoimmune disorders, you know, chronic fatigue, because you're not paying attention to you and you're looking for outside sources for validation and you're terrified that someone's going to think you're a bad person. So it's hard for you to say no. And I know lots of people that's hard for them to say no, but you have to understand that saying no is not selfish. 
saying no is actually an act of self-love. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have the definition of selfish mixed up in their minds. Selfish isn't doing something for yourself. It's expecting someone else to do something for you who doesn't want to. Yeah, I feel like that's like the one, you know, if you have a magical wand, that's one of my magical wand wishes that I could give to someone else is like that shift to happen where they have freedom from that very thing. Because I know I definitely struggled with that and along the way and learning and healing and growing less so. But now I'm like, oh gosh, it's such a game changer. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to, it's like, you know, saying no threatens, they're going to be mad at me. They're not going to like me. They're going to talk about me and they're going to think I'm a bad person. I'm going to feel guilty. So I might as well just do it. So I don't feel, so I at least don't feel bad about saying no when all of it's coming from a dysfunctional place. All of it's coming from the core wound of, of not feeling like you're, you're whole inside and of seeking outside validation. And then you end up in an uncomfortable place anyway. Yes. (laughs) Almost like in trying to avoid yeah, you, you become uncomfortable, you become uncomfortable and even down the line physically sick like from doing that. So it's such a like a vicious cycle almost. Is a vicious cycle. I feel like there's so many so many different things we could continue riffing on, but I don't know about your Here's schedule. So if I can if I can just leave with one yes, please. message and this has been huge for me cuz someone said this to me a long time ago. I talk to hundreds of business owners. Like we have a giant community. We're constantly getting questions. And at least four or five times a month, I'll speak to a woman who has children who really wants to build a business. Like she is super passionate about what she does. She has a viable idea. She has a great market. Like she checks all the boxes. There's no red flags for me because I'm looking to see like, is this an actual, do I see any issues with this being a business? And I'll say, you're sitting on a gold mine. Like you need to do this or someone else is going to do it. And this is a great opportunity for you. And she'll say to me, well, I can't because I have kids. And what I don't think she realizes is that by her using her children as an excuse, she puts the burden of her purpose and her actions on her children. And they didn't ask for that. No. And that absolutely, I have friends who were in that situation as children that absolutely impacts them as adults today and the decisions that they've made for their lives and because they feel guilty because mom sacrificed everything to stay home with them and she made sure that they knew that she sacrificed everything and now their job to allow their parents to live vicariously through them doing things that they aren't actually in alignment with so i would say never use your kids as an excuse if you want to do something do it if you'd rather Stay with your kids because that's what you want. That's great. Yeah. That's one thing. But don't say you want this thing and you're excited about this thing, but you can't because of your kids. I mean, I did crazy stuff to be able to make sure that I could build my business and take care of my kids. I was traveling all over the place. I sat down with my husband and said, look, this isn't working for me. I'm missing out on things. I want to be here. I want to be with them. And we actually, again, this is a long time ago, not socially acceptable. We <laughs> pulled our kids. My husband and I were both teachers. We pulled our kids out of, out of public school and we hired a private teacher and that private teacher traveled with us everywhere we went and they got an education all over the country in different places from this private teacher so that we could be a part of, we could be a family. We could experience yeah. life together. And people thought we were batshit crazy. Like, <laughs> I think it sounds 
badass and awesome. We, we <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. Our kids are going to be social rejects. Like <laughs> I will tell you, they turned out just fine. One is successfully adulting, managing a pottery studio, and one is in her sophomore year at a major university. So yeah. not well, like antisocial, <laughs> totally unadjusted children. But we had to do that so that we could build what we wanted in terms of our vision. And I wasn't going to make my kids an excuse. We were going to find, figure out a way to do it. And it worked, it worked beautifully. There's always a way. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look like the way that this person or that person or your parents or this person's parent does it. Yes, exactly. Well, I hope that those of you listening have gotten a lot of freedom from this conversation. And if you've dealt with or struggled as I know I have with any of these issues that you're able to, I don't know, move forward and live your life and build your business and raise your babies and not have guilt that doesn't have any place in your life. Right. Not helping not shackled with it. It's the worst. It is. And it's not helping anyone at all. <laughs> Wasted time. And now we know the value of our time in a real dollar amount too. So no excuses. If someone is wanting more from you, where is the best place for them to find you, to contact you, connect with you? What would you recommend? I know you have tons of resources, but what would be? We do. Two places, our website, which is lifeisnowinc.com. We've got lots of resources on there, including a free leadership assessment, which does apply to how you're showing up as a leader, both in your family and in your business. Things you should and shouldn't be doing, weaknesses and strengths. So it's a great little free assessment that's valuable to anyone. And then the other is my Instagram. I am the one that's managing it. I respond to my comments. It's not some fake person or chat bot. And you can follow me on Instagram at Steph Tuss. So S-T-E-P-H-T-U-S-S. And I'm always putting out content, stuff, free stuff, inspiring messages. Follow me if you have a question. I'm happy to answer for you. Okay. Awesome. I will definitely look forward to continuing to follow your journey and learn from you. And yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. My goal is to help as many women in business online as possible to build strong, powerful, aligned, and profitable personal brands. The best way to show you appreciate this content is to screenshot and share on your social media or share with your team. Actually, even better would be to also leave a review for the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. If you are looking for any additional support, you can always reach me via email at hello at elevatedwithashley.com. You can DM me on Instagram at Ashley R. Latimer or join us in the free Elevate Academy for brand building, maverick marketers, and mom. Entrepreneurs Facebook community. Can't wait to chat with you next week.